Welcome to this bonus episode of the Analuya podcast. Sometimes we have so much good content that just can't make it onto the show, and we want to share that extra content with you. So please enjoy this extended interview with M.H. Elric from our Violet Evergarden episode. If you haven't listened to that episode, you don't want to miss it. And now let's get on to the interview. Today we have with us M.H. Elric. Uh, she is a Christian fantasy author, reader, otaku, and teacher who wears too many hats. In her spare time, if she has any, she watches TV with her husband, rides horses, and travels to places with lots of trees. Um, she has been published in The Right World, um, Orpheus, Kern County Fair, and Short Fiction Break. So welcome on the show. Well, thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so once again, thank you so much for taking time out of you know your day. And I know with being a uh, teacher, like, a lot of that doesn't like stop during the week, like you're making lesson plans and doing all this stuff through the weekend. So again, thank you so much for making time to be on our podcast today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yes. The teacher's job is never done, but we like to pause and take breaks. <laughs> As should <So>. everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're going to get uh, things rolling with a little bit of an interview. Um, so um, earlier last week, um, I sent MH a list of interview questions, so she's had time to ponder a few of those, and we'll get rolling on that, and then we will get to our um, topic for this episode. So, Rebecca, if you'll do the honors. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to hear a little bit, um, first of all, about your upbringing um, in regards to faith, since we talk, obviously, a lot about faith. Um, Love to hear a little bit more about that. Sure, absolutely. Um, I grew up in the church and um, my church was very uh, legalistic. So it was hard um, because uh, if if you've ever grown up in a legalistic church, you know that you never feel like you can measure up to that standard of perfection. So it really took actually moving out of that church and going to my now husband's church and going to Christian universities and getting involved in Bible study fellowship, which is a interdenominational Bible study that happens all over the world. Um, where I finally started really understanding God's grace and love and understanding that I don't have to beat up myself about every little thing and question my salvation, which for a long time I did. Um, eventually kind of through my own study, I understood that what I had done in, um, when I was little, I had accepted Jesus into my heart out of BBS. And then I got baptized um, at the church and proclaimed that to everyone that I was Christian. Um, but I think it just started to sink in as I got older that, you know, Christ accepts me and loves me and that he gave his Holy Spirit to help me. Um, I'm not alone. And for a long time, I thought I was alone in the faith. Like I had no one to help me, you know, and it was all on me to try and be perfect. But I realized that God's Holy Spirit is what helps you um, walk with Him and be able to rely on Him. So now I go to a uh, Baptist church that is a lot more welcoming and open and loving. 
And I just, and I go to Bible study fellowship and I'm a leader there. And I just, that's how my relationship has changed from one that's like more about the law and more about both law and grace. You know, you need to have both. So that's kind of in a nutshell, my faith journey. It's hard to condense in a few minutes, (laughs) everything you've been through in your life. So, oh yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no way you can do it. I think you did a really good job. Um, But yeah, you, you're right. We do need the law and grace. The law is there to be our teacher, to show us who Jesus is and that we need Jesus and that we can't live up to the law because we need Jesus's grace. And yeah, that's really beautiful. Right. That's very true. Yes. And that's something that I came to understand that it was okay to not be enough and to rely wholly on Christ and his strength for whatever I needed. Absolutely. Like it says in Philippians, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because it's Christ who strengthens me. You don't have to come up with the strength yourself, which whew, that takes the the burden off, I think, anyway. Mm-hmm. Very true. Very true. So moving on from uh, from faith, we'd love to hear a little bit more about uh, your writing style and where you draw inspiration. Is it from your faith? Is it from um, other places? Tell us a little bit more about that. So um, I really pondered this question because it cracks me up to realize years later that I had taken things from various places to incorporate into my writing. Um, I think like a lot of nerds, I started out, of course, loving Lewis and Tolkien and reading those books, you know, that I feel like that's kind of a staple for most Christians who love fantasy. (laughs) Um, They have to have either heard of them or love them or watch the movies or something like that. Um, So I had been heavily involved with that. And I realized from reading those books that a Christian could love fantasy and love, you know, dragons and unicorns and magic and other things and still write about it and have God in it and see how you could use it. In terms of style, I'm probably more like Lewis than I am with than Tolkien. Not saying I didn't get inspiration from Tolkien because I absolutely did. But Lewis's style is more mine. Like I have a very Aslan-like character. I have very um, much more, very straightforward. It's very obvious that it is Christian fantasy versus kind of more of the symbolism of Tolkien um, or the good versus evil and themes. I don't have that as much, even though I have written stories in that style before. Then also, you know, I know today we're going to talk about anime. So what's funny is I'm thinking about the anime I've watched and um, unintentionally way back when I had watched like, I don't know, two episodes or three episodes of Avatar, The Last Airbender. And, you know, they're, they have the water powers and the fire powers in Earth. I love that idea. So I took that and put that in my story, but I had never seen the whole entire show until after I wrote the first book. Oh, how so- interesting. It was hilarious because I was like, years later, I rewatched it and I was like, oh, that's where I got that idea from. (laughs) I had only seen like three or four episodes of the show before then, but that's what I based my powers on and all that system on. Um, And then I just, I loved the elves and the dwarves and I have kind of peoples that have similar ideas. And so I incorporated a lot of the fantasy that I grew up watching and reading and enjoying and put it into a lot of my books. Um, But yeah, as far as my writing style is, it's a lot more Lewis 
um, just very like straightforward and, and obvious that it's a Christian fantasy. I love that. Yeah. I got to say, I, I don't know. I like Lewis more personally, not that I don't <laughs> love Lord of the Rings, but Ooh, man, re- I, tr- I attempted to read the books, uh, oh, yeah. of Lord of the Rings, uh, while I think I was in high school or something. And I was like, there's too much detail. I, I can't, I <laughs> I love the movies, love the stories, but woo, it's a lot. <laughs> it, it is a lot. Um, you know, I had the advantage that my parents read it to me a chapter a day. Oh, so nice. I think that helped a lot because it was more like an audio book, um, mm. sort of, and, you know, they dramatized it and explained things. And so when I was finally old enough to read it myself, it was a lot easier to read and understand because I already had my parents read it to me a chapter a day. Um, but yeah, I agree with you about Tolkien's style though. I mean, he takes, there's like a joke or a meme on the internet about how he takes three pages to describe a tree or something. (laughs) (laughs) So, and I kind of agree with that, you know, and I'm not like that. I'm very much a, you know, I try to give you some descriptions so you can understand a fantasy world, but I don't want to get you so bogged down that you're bored of the story. Cause the point is the characters and the plot and the adventure and what they go through and the struggles they have, not the let's, Look at the beautiful forest. (laughs) So even though I love Tolkien and his world building. (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. His world building building is on point. It's good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, the man invented his own language. You can't get much better than that. Yeah. (laughs) Genius, really. I mean, yeah. It's, um, It's really exciting. So how did you start or when did you really start writing? Was that an early on uh, in your in age or when was that? Well, um, I absolutely love this question because my mom told me I actually started at three year old, three years old, writing down things for magazines, but I had no idea what I was writing. And I just thought it was fun to write things down on pieces of paper. Now, of course me, I can't remember this. So my earliest memories of writing are in second grade when, you know, your teachers had you made those construction paper books. Did oh my you gosh, all? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Josh, it's like, yeah. I didn't enjoy it. Did you? Josh? Well, no. So that was fun in second grade, but um, I took a lot of art classes in middle and high school. And so I remember one fun thing we did is we got to like build and like bind our own books um, Mm -hmm. for like journals. So that was a lot of fun. Um, And uh, as far as writing goes, um, past my creative writing class in high school, never bounded a book, never written anything past that. Aside from our outlines for our podcast, that's and 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 the, and the vlog. That's I was a, about to say, what about the blog yeah, post? <laughs> that's just as much writing as I do anymore. Yeah, well, you still got some writing in you, but exactly. Yeah, I, uh, the kids these days don't even understand the book binding involved uh, in the old school. You know, well, um, not 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 even like cursive writing anymore. Like that was mm-hmm. such a big deal in school. So you have to learn how to write cursive. But now with like, you know, iPads and just everything being mm-hmm. digitized, like I don't know if anybody knows how to like, no, they don't have to learn how to do their own signature because you can do it in Adobe and it'll do it for you. <laughs> yeah, nobody knows that anymore. But um, but yeah, so that old school way, way back when those little construction paper books, 
I, they just inspired me and I love to write and I love to create, um, imaginary, um, acting out with my friend. We used to play like animals and all sorts. So I just loved it. Then in fourth grade, my church went through 40 days of purpose for kids as well as adults. And the Sunday school teacher, I remember him asking like, what is one talent that you could use for God's glory? And what popped into my mind was writing. And now I know that God gave me teaching too, but at the time I was, I had only known about writing and I thought, okay, I'll do it, Lord. And from that point on, I had done various stories that will never see the light of day because <laughs> they were so bad. But, um, you know, I created my worlds from there. So I've been writing a very long time. It's just, I hadn't really completed anything until I got into my twenties. And then I started actually like focusing and working on finishing a book, which took me a very long time to do. You know, I think, I think that people don't understand always how many man hours it takes to write a book and, uh, the book you have in your hands that you get to read and enjoy for an afternoon took years and years of an author's life at times. So for me, it was a long process, but I am so happy about it. And I'm so glad I could do what God told me to do way back when, when I was a little kid. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome that you're able to um, continue that and keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like, so you've written um, a few books and uh, one of them being somewhat of a series about Itania, I think. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about this series, um, particularly sounding, uh, surrounding this character. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I call this series, The Daughters of Tamnery. And I'm starting with Atanya. Um, and Atanya is a young woman who receives these magical powers that are given to her by God for a specific purpose. And she struggles with understanding why she was given these powers, what they're for, what their true purpose is. And with just the fact that she has to be this heroine, when she really doesn't want to be, she's very much a reluctant heroine and um, she doesn't want to go on the quest. She doesn't want to do these things, but she's been called by God to do so. And God has equipped her with these powers so that she can help her father and everyone around her. Um, and so I have a Tanya's worth is a lot about her discovering her worth to God and understanding um, her calling to use these powers for good and eventually getting and accepting it. But in a Tanya's calling, it really solidifies to where she kind of accepts her role that God has given her. And, um, but there's a lot in a Tanya's calling that is more relational and more about her developing romantic relationship because I write primarily fantasy romance adventure with Christian elements. And I have kind of these theme verses for each one. So the first one was about worth. And my second one is about charm is deceptible and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And it's about Atanya trusting Melchizedek or God, my God figure in her, in the story. And um, learning to discern 
truth from lies and to understand that. And then I have one more book planned for Tanya. And then I plan on writing about her daughter, Lavana or her mother, Tala, and kind of following like these generations and talking about them. That's why I named the series Daughters of Tamnery. So I still have a lot of books planned in my head. They haven't all been written down yet, but I'm on book three. So maybe I'll keep going. <laughs> that is really exciting. That's awesome. Well, yes. Thank you. Um, did, I know that it can be a bit confusing, but if you have any questions, feel free to ask. So, Yeah. it's um, Well, I love that you your focus is a lot on identity and and who you are. I feel like the more we go through all of these different TV shows and movies and things that we're reviewing here on yeah, the show. Like, what 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 topic? Identity is I know we already did that one. Yeah, so so <laughs> many stories are focused on identity because I think that's what people have the most trouble with, you know? Mm-hmm. And um so so yeah, it's uh, that's really cool. I I love that, and I love that you're following the generations, um, because I know the the Bible in particular focuses so much on generational things, and um, yeah, that's really that's really cool. It sounds like a great story. Thank you. Yeah, I I definitely wanted to focus there on identity first because it's like you said. I feel like that's the foundation. That's where you have to start. Who am I? Who is God? And how does he want to relate to us? And so I wanted to start there with her and then work from that point on with living with God over, like you said, generation after generation. So, um, yeah, I I really like that. And your insight is different because I never thought of it that way either. But I wanted that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know in your in your FAQ too, you describe um, magic, and it sounds like there's there's magic in these books as well because it's kind of like a theme I think through all of your work. But when you describe the magic of the characters in your book, um, you say that it's deep magic. That sounds very Lewis uh, to me. Um, but I would love to hear um, a little bit more of an explanation of you know, these being natural talents and abilities that God's given each of us. Yeah. I'd I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the best way to refer to it is to think about the parable of the talents that Jesus tells us in Matthew, um, where he, he tells us parable about a master who gave out these bags of gold and he gave, you know, one, five and one, two and one, one. And the person who had five made five more and the person who had two made two more, but the person who had one went and buried it in a field. And when the master came back, he praised the servants who had made more and he got angry with the servant who had just buried it. And I think that's how he honestly is, even with our natural abilities. So there's many meanings to that parable, but what stands out to me the most is that God gives each of us abilities and talents that he asks us to nurture in our lives. And that could be athleticism. It could be music. It could be science. It could be psychology. It doesn't have to be magical powers. But if you go into a fantasy world and you put that in a fantasy setting, what does it become? A fantasy power. And so that's how I see my powers. I see them as God gave them to each person. 
And each person has this ability and they can either bury it in a field or they can produce it and make something good out of it and honor God with it. And then on top of that, so I have the natural abilities or natural talents that God has given everyone. And then I have what are called like spiritual gifts or that deeper magic, which you're talking about, where Atanya has a spiritual gift. So it's directly tied to her spiritual life. And it doesn't work properly when her spiritual life isn't in alignment with God. So I kind of go on this idea that God gives us natural abilities and talents that we should nurture. And then he also equips us with spiritual abilities and talents that are for his glory and for his church that we should also nurture and use wisely. And that's where I come from with this idea of magic and powers. I make sure that the occult, the witchcraft, the the spell books, the witches, the demons, I have a demon in my second book, are all portrayed as this is not something to mess with. And this is not good. This is evil. And it belongs to evil. And even Lewis talks about that, um, even in the silver chair where Eustace is trying to go to Narnia and quote, summon Aslan. And he says, well, I thought about using spell books and stuff, but I realized that Aslan would not appreciate that. And that's what I make sure to do in my books is that I, I make it understood that this is more talking about if you were in a fantasy world and you had powers that naturally came from God, instead of having the power of science or the power of athleticism, you have the power to make fire from your fingertips. How could you use that for God's glory? And so I kind of make that distinction. I know that there, there are a lot of Christians who don't feel comfortable with the idea of magic and the idea of powers, but that's how I see it. And that's kind of my perspective, but I also understand other people who might not be okay with that and can't deal or grasp or wrestle with that, you know, to each his own. Yeah. That's an awesome distinction. And yeah, I think some people, particularly if you've been in the occult, that can be something that's like, I just can't, I can't even go towards that. So yeah, totally understand. Um, and yeah, it's, it's kind of, I don't know, almost like each man has his own burdens to bear and, and for some, something is a sin and then to others it's not. And so I think there's, there's definitely some, um, I don't know, ambiguity there, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I was going to say that a lot of, um, uh, that's actually in the gospels, right? Doesn't Paul talk about how it's like for some, it may be a stumbling block and for others it's not. But if it is a stumbling block for your brother, you shouldn't judge that person and say that, oh, that's a stumbling block for you. You know, that's silly or something like that. So, yeah, it's very true. And I know personally a friend who was heavily involved with the occult before she became a Christian. And she's told me she can't read my books. And I understand because if you have that issue then it's like an alcoholic going to a bar. You don't want to do that. That's not a good thing. So I get it with those people, which is why I try to put that obviously on my website so that people know before they go and buy my book and they go, oh no, you know, it has powers in it. Um, even though I emphasize, you know, Christ and how he works in it. Yeah, that's awesome. That's such a great um great clarification there on that. But I do for me personally, I love um, 
the idea of the deep magic and the the natural gifts and talents, but then also the spiritual talents and gifts that are given um, as well. Because I think the Bible is pretty clear about that. There there are two distinctions there of different gifts that that are given. And um, I love that you said in your answer earlier that you, if you're relationship with God isn't right, then your spiritual gifting isn't going to work. It's not going to be the same. And that's just really cool distinction to me because yeah, you won't be able to operate in those gifts if you don't have the true source that you're connected to in right relationship. And that's so important. Yes, it absolutely is. I had a reviewer saying, you know, I don't understand why Atanya would lose her powers, which she does in the second book. And I, you know, I clearly, I want to make it very clear in my interview with you today, as well as online, that it's like, it is what I was talking about. That relationship with God was, was broken and there was problems and she had to overcome those in order to use her powers again. And in the same way, if we have something going on between us and God, it can be an obstacle in our relationship and and in our spiritual life. So yeah, absolutely. Very true. Yeah, that's, that's so great. And it's, um, it's never God who pulls away from us. We are the ones that have something going on because he is good. He is faithful and he stays strong we just have something that we need to deal with and we need to run to him to have him fix that in us. Um, yeah. Yeah. So true. So true. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I love that you put emphasis on that. Um, because yeah, it is, it is important, but, and I love that your character deals with that because again, that's what everyone deals with who's a Christian Mm -hmm. and who's, you know, going through the process of sanctification, which we'll talk about today. Um, it's just part of the process, you know, it's okay. There's hills, there's valleys and you don't have to beat yourself up about it. You just work through it and it'll be okay. In the end, as long as you keep running towards God, you're good. Yes, exactly. And you know, that's what I did even with her romantic relationship, which has problems in the second book is I wanted to show what it is like to have a walk with God in which everything's not perfect, but it's good and God has it and God will help you through it. And I know that not everyone will get that, but that's okay. I just want to help those who are struggling to realize they're not alone and to realize that God will help them through whatever they're, they're dealing with. And that's what I try to do with um, my books and especially with the sanctification topic we're going to talk about today. Yeah. You know, it, um, it reminds me actually of, uh, of Francine Rivers and her books. Have you read her books? I have, I've read um, her women of the, of the Jesus's lineage series. I read her, yeah, I've read her Mark of the Lion. Oh, such uh, a great series. Yes, I haven't read all of them. I still haven't read the third book, and I'm still like on my edge about what happens to the main character about that because I've never read the third book. Well, the third so. book is um you pretty much you've read the main story of the the main characters. So, the third one is it deals with I think one of the characters that was in the first two. Um but yeah, it's not, you've pretty much gotten the story just to put your mind at ease there. 
Oh, that does put my mind at ease. I definitely yeah. need to go back and reread them all. Um, but I do, I do love, I do love her books. So yeah. Yeah. Me, me too. Me too. I, you know, I've heard a lot of criticism though about her books, which is why I bring this up. Um, particularly with the redeeming love movie that came out recently, which mm-hmm. I did see it. And yeah, I don't know. I didn't, there were, there were parts I didn't appreciate, <laughs> but I love generally in her books um, that she doesn't shy away from real life issues. Her characters, um, and one of them called the masterpiece, one of the characters, um, she ends up going to this nightclub, having a one night stand and having a kid. And then you end up getting this relationship with a uh, it's a work relationship, but it turns into a romantic relationship with an artist and he's got problems. And, um, but it's like, I loved seeing, yeah, that's, I mean, there are consequences of sin and, and that's what happens. And, but it's like real life stuff that happens. You know, I think her characters like deal with, um, affairs and marriages and, you know, it's not this pristine, little Christian moving through life. Um, they question God, they, they do all of these things. And I think that is so important to have in fiction, you know, cause that's what right. people deal with. Yeah, I agree 100%. And, you know, but I understand some Christians want the Hallmark movie. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Some want that and I get it, you know, and that's what I say to many. Uh, I've been surprised because um, older ladies will read my books that I think are more the Hallmark type. Mm-hmm. And I always try and warn them, you know, I'm like, look, my books are not a Hallmark movie. Okay. But what I can promise you is that even though there's darkness, there's light. Mm. And um, so I think it's like to each his own, you know, and I, I understand where people are coming from. Some people want the Hallmark movie, but that's not what I seek to create with my fiction. And I don't think that's what Francine Rivers is trying to create. And I did hear a lot about her, um, the controversy with her redeeming love book, which I haven't read, but um, the book I understand where is some incredible. are from. The book is really good. Yes. The book itself is incredible. The movie adaptation. I mean, it was good for a Christian movie. They were definitely mm-hmm. trying to be edgier for a Christian movie, mm. which is kind of the part I didn't, I didn't like. Well, as, as in books, you know, you read a story, you can get a lot more of the thought process behind why characters make decisions. And mm-hmm. um, that didn't translate as well on screen. It's like, Ooh, I don't, <laughs> that didn't yeah. quite work. Um, but yeah, the book itself is amazing. Highly recommend. <laughs> Well, thank you. I will definitely check into my long list now of my TBR, huh? I got two books already on there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, it's kind of like our uh, TVW, to be watched. Um, yes. We start like these new series or these shows and it's like, oh, a new one. Oh, a new one. And it's like, okay, all the stuff I'm excited about compared to the list of stuff I sought to complete. <laughs> so, Yeah. yeah. So I'd love to hear too about your your future plans for writing. You told us a little bit about your your series that you've got going on. Is there anything else that you're working on? Uh, yeah, I ha- am going to be published 
in a the devotional for anime lovers that um the yeah the one that is by uh finding god in anime volume two um by mariah jane and uh compiled by mariah jane and laura a grace so i have that coming up um and i've also been published in another anthology that just came out the last month called where giants fall So I have those things I'm dabbling in and trying to see if something appeals to me or stands out to me. And I have a short story written. I like to put that in there out for people to um, read or devotional or things like that. Um, I also eventually want to do like spinoff series that are set in like the Tira Tamnery universe where I would do like fairy tale retellings and even like Asian fantasy, especially since I'm a big fan of anime. I've thought about ideas for all those as well. So I have a lot of ideas all like contained in a notebook, just waiting for me to write them one day. Um, So it's like the to be watched pile, the to be read pile and the to be written pile (laughs) of things to write and do. Um, I know that I also have, two like novellas that are about a minor character in Atania's Worth and Atania's Calling um, that I'm going to be working on rewriting and hopefully republishing just to give people something to read in between my books because they take such a long time for me to write. Um, And I wrote one already called Toothbreaker, but I feel like it needs to be edited a bit and then I'll re-release it and then also uh, release the sequel, which I'm calling Promise Keeper, which are more like about these minor characters that I felt like needed to have a novel of their own. Um, I've also had requests from um, fans that are like, oh, why don't you write a, a novella about this character? And it's like, all right, I'll put it on my list and maybe I'll do it someday because it's definitely hard when, you, <laughs> when you've gotten a list of to be written, right? So yeah, well, uh, that's kind of all in the works. <laughs> yeah. And since definitely writing is like the only thing that you're doing, right? It's not like you have another job or, or anything like that. <laughs> I know, right? I don't know what that is. <laughs> it, it, it only I know I keep telling Josh uh, occasionally I'm like to do all of the things that I really want to do I need to quit my full-time job (laughs) and if we do that we'll have to quit the house too (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly a lot of things that go away. <laughs> yes. It's like, I would have to stop going to Bible study and stop <laughs> teaching and stop doing this, but I, you know, it works out. And I've come, I think for a long time that I always felt like I should be doing more, you know, you kind of get that like pressure to do more. And I've realized it's like, no, just do what God asks you to do, whatever it is for this day. Don't be so stressed about what you're not doing or what you should be doing or anything like that. Cause it does feel like you have that pressure on you. Like, Oh, maybe we should be reading all these books and watching all these shows and writing all this stuff, but just do whatever God has for you to do this day, whatever that might be. And that makes it a lot less stressful. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, it's so easy to slip back into that legalistic mindset of, well, I have to do this, 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 and this in order like for God to accept me basically. And, um, and all of that, it's, yeah, that's, it's really hard. Um, but I love that encouragement, uh, that you just gave because yeah, just take, give us this day, our daily bread, what we need Mm -hmm. for this day. Let's do it. 
Yeah, we've got some uh, fun questions. So speaking of anime, um, we do have a few um, few questions uh, regarding that. So Rebecca, I believe you have those as well. I do. I have all the questions. Because I sent them to you. <laughs> you. You did. I didn't write them. I'm just speaking it. Don't. I'm not taking credit. I hope. <laughs> but um, yeah. So some fun questions. Um, what are your favorite animes? All right. This is a hard question to answer. So I really, really thought about it because I've I've watched like I don't know seventy anime or something like that. Like just a lot. So some of my favorites include Inuyasha, the old one, because I know now they have Yasuhime, which I do not count. Sorry, but I don't count it as canon. All right. It wasn't written by the original person, so it's not canon. As far as I concern, Kagome and Inuyasha lived happily ever after. So Yasuhime, it's okay if you like it, but it's not part of my, my little top five. Um, then another one I love is a um, Kamisama Kiss, which I really enjoyed. I'm kind of sad that they never developed the last arc, which would have really explained a lot of things. And unfortunately, they did it in like a spinoff that's never been translated to English, which I wish it was because it completes a lot of the missing pieces in that anime. Um, the Third one up in the top three is Fairy Tale. Um, my biggest problem with Fairy Tale is the fact that the fan service in Fairy Tale. I hate fan service. Um, so if I could get rid of all the fan service and we just stuck with the characters and the plot, it would be awesome. It would be the perfect one. Um, and then, of course, I love Fruits Basket, Violet Evergarden, which we're talking about today. Um, you know, Demon Slayers in there, Go Sick, which is a little bit of a rare anime, but is really, really good. Um, I've watched Special A, I've watched Toradora, a lot of the animes that are typically like romantic comedies or lighthearted. I kind of tend to gravitate towards those, with the exception of like Demon Slayer and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. And then I watched like Sword Art Online, but both I just I, you know, when you come home from a day at work and you're tired and you're exhausted and the last, to me, the last thing I want to watch is a dark, darker quotes anime. You know, I kind of want to watch something more lighthearted. Um, I really love Demon Slayer, but it was kind of one of those things that, you know, I like would rather watch it on the, the weekend just because it's, a, you know, it has darkness, but it has light too. Um, so that's kind of in a nutshell, my top five, but man, I could probably keep talking forever about it <laughs> I, mean, I know what you mean <laughs> same here and just a quick side note about fan service i mean we agree with you on that because there is a lot of great series but sometimes you have to wade through all that fan service to get to like mm -hmm. a really good content um and, and i know you know there is an audience for fan service because fans um yes. and i mean that's great for them i mean it's not something that we would subscribe to really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I say that too, for, you know, if there's ever any parents or anyone who's like, Oh, should my teeny boy watch this or teen girl watch this? Well, I don't know. You have to kind of use discerning um, because a lot of the anime, unfortunately they've made um, and they kind of have this like sexual perversion. That's okay. 
you know, for, for the, for Japanese society, but as an American and Christian, it's like, Ooh, no, no, that's not, you know, so kind of have to be wise and discerning about what you let your children watch. Um, I enjoy it, but you know, it doesn't matter as much to me in that way. So, well, you're a little more, um, Mature. There we go. I was like, I know there's a right way. Yeah. Yeah. You're mature and you, you're solid in your faith and you know, um, it just, it makes a difference. I think if you're a more mature Christian, not that we should be filling our heads with all of that, but you, yeah, it's different. Yeah. It's different. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) And there's more than audience out there that I feel is like seeking like clean manga and clean, um, anime, like I came across a post on Reddit because um, I get notifications on the anime subreddit, and it's just a person asking, "Oh, are clean anime um, without any like sexual content?" Um, and like a lot of people like respond with like some really good wholesome anime. Honestly, there's um, very few. I even had someone messaging me on Instagram asking. You know, because I posted about my top five, like Inuyasha, Kamisama Kiss and stuff, like asking me about each one. And I just, you know, I had to put it out there as, okay, you know, Inuyasha has a little bit darker because he's like a half dog demon, you know, and some people have problems with that. And I understand versus Kamisama Kiss is a little bit more lighthearted, but there's still the idea that she can become a god and that, you know, she's been granted godhood and that whole thing that people might have trouble with, you know. The nearest I found that's the squeakiest clean is like, and even then it's like got a few things is like fruits basket and, and snow white with red hair. And, you know, these are like the two I can think of, but if you're asking me for boys, it's a lot harder because, you know, trying to think of it, like maybe Pokemon. I don't know. I haven't (laughs) seen Pokemon in a while, (laughs) but yeah, it is hard, but I do agree with you, Josh. I think there's a big market for it. But I wonder if there is as big a market as there is in Japan as there is here, because that's what makes a difference, right? right? They're the people who are making this stuff. And if they don't have the market there and they don't realize that Americans would appreciate it, they might not make an anime for us, which to me means that there is a need for someone, some Christian to create anime that is that is clean. That's good for families to watch in the anime style, not the cartoon style that we're used to, but the anime style. Um, but I don't know. We'll have to keep praying about bringing that person that can start doing that. Cause I do think there's a big market for it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So moving away from anime, what is your all time favorite animated movie? And it can be anime if you want, but opening up to all of it. All right, I'm going to take the typical reader's answer, which is Beauty and the Beast. Oh. Yes, yes, the tale as old as time. I just, I think what I love about Beauty and the Beast is just she loved beyond appearances. And even though I know there's been a lot of arguments about that movie, about, you know, Stockholm Syndrome and all that, but For me, it's about the fact that she loved despite appearances. And isn't that what God does for us? You know, he loves us despite our sin and what we've done. And so that's why Beauty and the Beast 
is probably still my favorite animated movie, even though I love other animated movies too. Um, just because that's what Belle does and she's willing to, um, you know, sacrifice her life if she had to, and if she could. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the one that comes to mind as my favorite animated movie. I love it. I, I mean, we love, I don't know if we've said this on the podcast before, but one of the first movies we actually bonded over was Beauty and the Beast. And so much so that we decided our theme for our wedding would be Beauty and the Beast. And so it was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Now we weren't like overtly, you know, Lumiere wasn't dancing around or, you know, Cogsworth wasn't there. But we did have the gray stuff. (laughs) We did have the gray stuff. Yes. Uh, Yeah. We had like a French bistro charcuterie type of a thing for dinner and, um, we had nods where there were like teapots everywhere and candlesticks and everything. And, um, Aww. yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. At my wedding, we had, um, my mom went and got books and stacked them in the center and then put a center with a rose. And then, so it had that kind of, you know, beauty and the beast vibes, I guess the rose yeah. and the books and everything. So yeah, I feel you. Um, okay. So two more questions that we'll pull out of here. Um, I think this one's really interesting. If you were to be included in an anime, which one would you choose and why? I actually do think I would choose Violet Evergarden. I would. Um, and part of that is because her job just sounds fun. Um, she is a, a light, uh, they call them, what is it? Dolls. Right. Mm-hmm. And they write, um, for letters for people who are unable to do so. And I just think that would be an awesome job to have where you can write letters that help people connect with others. Um, because it's the un- unification of what I love to do, which is writing books and also helping people with the teaching part of it, you know, so, I think I would choose Violet Evergarden and then maybe a close second would probably be Snow White with red hair and that kingdom. Um, just cause I think I would really enjoy it um, during peacetime, of course, not during wartime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I think we started Snow White with red hair and we just never yeah, we we, didn't finish it. We, we only we got like a couple it. episodes in for some reason. Right. But then there are those days where we finished, gosh, what was it? We have finished, a whole season in like a day because we did that with well, like a 12 episode. Well, yeah, one. we did that with high school, of the dead. And we also did that with, um, Yuzuki wants to hang out. Well, that was a little longer. Um, no. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Never mind. We savored that one. Well, Snow White with red hair, I think is 22 episodes. They got like a full two seasons and they're now officially on Crunchyroll, which is awesome. Oh, yay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, they merged. I know you guys were talking about that a couple weeks ago. They merged with Funimation, right? So Mm -hmm. now a lot of those shows have crossed over. So, yeah. But it is a very, like, peaceful anime. There's not a lot of high stakes, which makes it kind of one of those that you can lose interest in if you're not got that drama. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just kind of peaceful and and nice and sweet and happy and if that's what you want to watch then it is but there's a lot of them that have that high stakes that make you want to go yes keep watching keep watching i got to find out what's going to happen so yeah, yeah. <laughs> i want to say we i want to say we we started watching it fairly early on into our 
um, anime watching days. Yeah. And probably that wasn't like the greatest choice because it was like, we weren't used to like slice of life um, genres, which is very different. Like you say, it's very chill, very calm. Um, yeah. Cause we started off, we had heard so much about clan ad too. And we were like, Oh, it's a classic. It's great. You gotta, you gotta watch it. And we're like, all right, cool. Yeah. We'll watch a classic anime. We started and we were like, I can't, I, nothing is happening. <laughs> oh my goodness. I can't do this. And then, yeah. uh, I want to say a couple years later, we were like, okay, all right, let well, actually George, Josh, Josh forced me into watching it again. <laughs> Once you make it through episode five or six, it starts to pick up. It does. It does. It was good. It and was then good. we watched yeah. um, Canon, or yeah, I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, yeah, by Canon. the same creators. Yep, that was good, too. That was good, too. But yeah, so it sounds like maybe it's not a, if you're just being introduced into the anime world, maybe don't start with that one. Uh, yeah, it's um I the one that actually got me started in anime was uh Fate Stay Night from 2006, which isn't even available anywhere online. I scoured the internet, it's gone. I don't know where it went, but it went somewhere. Um and that one was so intense and it's definitely one that, you know, if people ask me how which one anime would you recommend for beginners and they're not someone who would be sensitive to gore or violence, I would actually say Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, because it's got that high stakes, it's got that emotional intensity, and it's got that amazing plot that goes over a series of time. Um, so that's usually the one I recommend for people that are okay with the more violence part of it and and are all right with that and just want to get step into that world and understand a lot of what makes that, it so exciting for people to watch and enjoy. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I've never actually watched Full Metal Alchemist, but I've heard so much about it. Perhaps we should put that on our list of things. Let's add it. <laughs> yeah, I know. On the list. The massive list. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think I think my first anime was Titan uh, Attack on Titan. I think that was the oh, first yeah. one I ever watched. And man, whew, that's intense. That's still going on. Of course, they're on the last Ooh. season right now. Um, yeah. That's so good. I watched season one. I haven't gotten to season two and three, but yeah, it's one of those that you're like, oh, I'm not, I, I just don't know if I could do it again. You know, it's, it's definitely emotional high stakes. Oh yes. Do not get attached to any of the characters because they're probably <laughs> going to die. <laughs> it's like, just don't get attached. They'll probably die. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Well, I was going to say that the one I would probably recommend for like, people who are more sensitive and are more looking for a romance as their first anime would probably be fruits basket. Yes. Because it's so intense, but good, but sweet, but you know, like, so it would depend on who I was talking to, but I think fruits basket would be the one I would recommend for probably like women who just want a romance or, you know, drama and kind of things. But Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood for people who are looking for more action intensity kind of things. So yeah, but Attack on Titan. Oh, <laughs> that's also on my to watch one day one and start from the beginning again, so I can figure out what happens at the end.